want to welcome everyone and thank you for tuning in to our deep conversation series. Uh, if you're watching by Facebook Live, we uh, just ask you to take a minute, hit that like and share button, and that'll just help this get this get a conversation out to more and more people. We want to help as many people as we can. If you're checking us out on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We need that uh, specific URL for our ministry, and uh, this will also help to get out to more people. So please help us out today. I am super excited. Very excited to have today's guest with us. Today's guest is Dr. Andy Yarbrough. Andy is from South Mississippi, back in our old stomping grounds, down around Bogachita, Mississippi. No, none of you know where that is. We know where that is. That's so all good. Uh, also an MC grad, go chalk toss. Uh, he and his wife, yep. Melody, started the Well Clinic with this purpose in mind, guiding people into hope, wellness, and life. And they are reaching people, helping people with different opportunities, such as not only just clinical work, but also consulting organizations such as churches, as well as being deeply involved within their community. So, Andy, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, man. Uh, I want us to begin where we've been, and I mentioned this just a few moments ago to you, but but where we've been in our Deep Conversation series, uh, when it comes to anxiety and depression, we've talked to two pastors, two good friends of mine that shared their story, and they shared uh, about their walk through a season of depression and anxiety and, and, and what that did for them personally, how it affected their ministry, how it shaped their ministry as they've moved forward, yeah. and how God graciously guided them through that and provided for them through that. And today we want to balance that out with this episode. We want to we have that clinical side when it comes to this hot button topic of anxiety and depression. I did a quick search earlier today. CDC.gov, just a quick search, it shows this, that as of late June last year, 40% of U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse. Yeah. 40% of U.S. adults. And when you dig a little deeper, there's a whole article there, but you dig a little deeper, you know, 30% were, were on the rise of mental health issues such as anxiety and depression. So this is a valuable conversation. And this is a conversation for the church. Uh, this is a conversation for believers. And so uh, we're going to jump into some questions right now with Dr. Yarbrough, and we're going we're gonna to dive deep and drill down on some of this so that we can, we can have this conversation and it can be meaningful as we journey through life together. It so the first good. question is this, Andy, if I'm struggling with anxiety or depression, what are a few next steps for me to take? I've been dealing with this. I've been struggling. With this. What are one or two next steps that you would recommend for me to take? Okay. So the reason that our mission is hope, wellness, and life, not we help people overcome depression and anxiety is because the, the first thing is that you got to realize that what you seek first organizes the rest of your life. What you seek first organizes the rest of your life. If you're seeing first solution to anxiety or depression that's actually organizing your life and so um jesus comes along and says something crazy don't worry about you're going to eat what you're going to eat sleep eat drink or, or wear and if you're starving to death you haven't had water in days or you have no clothes and he says this you think he's lost it it's like what do you mean but there was a power to his presence that organize things as basic as food, shelter, clothing. And so I think sometimes 
the chaos of emotional struggle kind of sabotages the, the, the focus on what we're seeking first because um, that principle carries into every other area of life, seeking first holistic health. So this first thing is being sure that we're seeking first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And as a pastor, I mean, you can walk people through that. Yeah, what, what might be things that people are seeking before the kingdom? What, what oh, might yeah. be some... What, what might be something that you see people seeking instead of seeking the kingdom to get that priority, to get their life organized around that? What's one or two of those things? As we, as we double click on this a little bit, what is that, those things that, would, that people would seek first instead of the kingdom? Number one is the maximization of comfort. Uh, Number two is the minimization of pain. Mm. And we do it, we don't realize it. When we find ourselves just scrolling through Facebook, mm-hmm. when we find ourselves just clicking Netflix, when we find ourselves even getting into pornography, when we find ourselves getting into shopping, eating, um, anything that just sort of numbs the day-to-day, we will seek that comfort, maximization of comfort, minimization of pain first. The problem is... And the way our culture says it is happiness. I just want to be happy. Uh, but happiness is one of the worst life goals you can possibly have. Amen. Amen. That I'm not anti-joy. Like sure. I absolutely want to be happy. Right. But if you can seek meaning first, mm-hmm. do something purposeful, meaningful, you find joy in that journey. Yeah. So I, I would say... Those are the two primary things that we did. And that's a transcultural issue. I oh, see yeah, that in it, every- it definitely countercultural, because what you're speaking to is you're speaking to idolatry. Yes. Yeah. The, the idol of comfort has its tractor beams and it's trying to suck everybody into it. And it's all it's all energized by Satan himself because it's a spiritual battle at the end of the day, uh, because so many of us will seek to find happiness and pleasure in things that are fading away where we're never finding our hope or joy ever. Yeah. It's only in seeking Christ in the kingdom, like you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And letting that presence flow into how we represent the kingdom on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Living by a sense of purpose and mission. Mm -hmm. um, It's pretty crucial, but, um, and, and if you're trying to avoid pain, sometimes you'll avoid the things that cause anxiety. And that actually feeds the beast. How so? So if I am afraid of public speaking, mm-hmm. I could avoid public speaking and not feel the anxiety, but I'm actually in bondage to the fear. That could prevent me from standing up or saying things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm avoiding conflict, conflict increases my anxiety. I, I'm going to lay that down. To feel better, the problem is at some point people pleasing creates inevitable conflict. Right. Um, and so I think when we seek first the solution to the problem, we make decisions that get us into trouble down the road, mm-hmm. that strengthen the struggle. And yeah. so seeking first the kingdom is a spiritual principle. And as a, as a pastor, you could probably explain this way better than me. Uh, but it's just God's presence in our lives. 
Right, right. Leaning into him. And that principle moves into, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, you're seeking first his kingdom, and then you're seeking first health. Mm-hmm. Not the alleviation of the depression or the anxiety, but health. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to be physically healthy, relationally healthy, um, psychologically, spiritually healthy? And we can expand on that a bit, but even things like exercise, 150 minutes of cardiovascular exercise a week can be roughly effective as a dose of an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. We're not anti-medication. So I'm not telling people to go get off their medicine. I'm just simply saying doing things like exercise contributes to health. It can actually improve your mood. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Fostering hope, for example, gratitude are two things that are crucial Mm -hmm. and you can do that regardless of whether you're struggling with depression or not. Right. Um, and there are, what's the old hymn say the old hymn count your many blessings. Yeah. Name Name them them one by one, one. you know, not Oh, thank you God for blessing me, but, but let's get down and, and name those blessings because the more you begin to name them, the more it begins to shift you and it shifts you towards him. Yeah, man. Gratitude. Let's take, for example, gratitude. Mm -hmm. So if you're you're struggling with depression or anxiety, but you're taking what I'm saying to heart, I'm going to seek the kingdom first. I'm going to seek health first. Psychologically, how do I foster gratitude? I don't just get over depression. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we're not ignoring the depression, right? We're absolutely not ignoring it. But gratitude is a a thankfulness. It's an appreciation for the gift and the giver. Mm -hmm. But gratitude is also an attitude that helps you identify and steward available resources. Mm -hmm. It moves you out of all or nothing thinking, out of a deficits mindset, helps you identify and steward what you have. Well, depression sabotages that. Gratitude is an antidote. Um, And so that's really important. I'd say, so you've got seek first the kingdom because what you seek first organizes the rest of your lives. Pursue holistic health. The third thing is acknowledge the struggle. Yeah, let me jump in just for one moment, because as you talk about gratitude and even the, the physical component of that, it reminds me of something uh, uh, author John Gordon promotes. It's it's really combining both of those, a gratitude walk. Yes. That if you just took 10 to 15 minutes, worked your way up to 30, whatever it would be, whatever level you're at, but if you just took a, a walk, let's just start with 10 minutes. If you took a 10-minute walk, and through that walk, you, you didn't bring headphones, you didn't bring music or anything like that, and you just started naming what you're grateful for through those 10 minutes, that yes. can be that antidote step, a practical step that you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Something that simple. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so so it, doesn't, minutes, it doesn't take something way out of our realm, and it doesn't take right. something way out that it, we need so many resources for. We just need to do it. Yes. <laughs> you know? 100%. Yeah. And, and what, I, I like what you're talking What's more important than results is consistency. I got you. Yeah. And your, what you just described can be done on a consistent basis. Right. It's doable. It's kind of like a next step. Yeah. Um, so you've got those two things. The third is you want to acknowledge the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of times, we think if I acknowledge the reality of this, I'm agreeing with it. Mm-hmm. 
and acknowledgement and agreement are not the same thing. So I can't give to God what I deny is there. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, so I've got to be able to call it for what it is, but not agree with it. And when you think about anxiety, anxiety is a, it's a, it's a physical and, or an emotional reaction to some unforeseen, unwanted future outcome. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, in general, what anxiety is. And it can be normal. Some levels of anxiety actually motivate us. Mm-hmm. They're not bad. Yeah. But the clinical piece is when it, that anxiety starts to shut us down in daily life. Yeah. Relationships, vocation, daily functioning, spirituality, all that. And then the, the depression, depression has to do with lack of motivation, um, lack of enjoyment, levels of sadness. Mm-hmm. thoughts turn inward against ourselves and in a lot of ways depression it can shut our body down we we, we feel like there's can be physical sickness associated with depression um, but it's the degree to which who you are being suppressed versus expressed so like i said depression can impact you emotionally loss of enjoyment or sadness mm-hmm. your thought life gets negative relationally you start to um, it starts to impact your relationships in negative ways. People don't like me. It can impact your relationship with God. Um, even physically, depression can be so bad. You get like body aches, have a hard time sleeping, and it hits us in different stages. Um, but again, like anxiety, it really becomes an issue when uh, it starts to shut down our daily lives. So when you're struggling with depression or anxiety, the first step is to be sure you know what you're seeking first. You start with the kingdom. Number two, you start with health. Number three, you acknowledge the struggle. But the fourth thing is, and this is very important, is you have to understand that authority over depression and anxiety is more important than the absence of it in your life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because most most of us dealing with that or struggling with that, we just want it gone. You know, we we just want it. We want it out. We want it moved on so we can move on. Uh, into something different yes but i hear you saying we've got to kind of lean into it and with key steps get authority over it in our life yes yeah here's what's important authority is more important than absence because if absence is the priority you're doing whatever it takes to get it to go away which sometimes isn't actually healthy Mm -hmm. right yeah it's counterproductive it's counterproductive but authority is more important because you're able to get control of your soul, authority over your body, your relationships. It's actually the process of sanctification. Wow. Yeah. So when you think about an experience, so there is something I call the anatomy of every experience. And so um, if you look at kind of the screen, and you think of a you think of a triangle at the top of your thoughts, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Down here are your behaviors. Not what you should do, what you really do or want to do. Over here is your emotions. And emotions stamp our experiences with meaning. Right? Mm-hmm. If it's a positive emotion, positive experience, negative emotion, right. negative. So you've got your thoughts, behavior, emotions. In the middle, you have the body which that's actually the anatomy of an attitude. 
attitudes aren't just emotional. They consist of thoughts and behaviors, even my body. So I can learn to posture in different ways to, to think things and do things. That's why worship is so powerful. I may not feel like worshiping. I may be struggling or be anxious, but when I look up, I raise my hands, my body's now postured. My thoughts are, God, you're bigger. Mm-hmm. Lord, you're good. Yeah. I'm engaging in a different behavior. My emotions follow suit over time because I'm fostering an attitude of gratitude, of worship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but when you're thinking about an experience, attitudes are experiences. You got thoughts, behavior, emotions in the body, and then you have your environment, which are mm-hmm. the settings, the circumstances, which are what's happening in those settings, and the setting events, which mm-hmm. setting events are all the things that happen in the background of our lives abuse, uh, maybe struggles in previous relationships, whatever sets up rejection, whatever could set us up in negative ways or positive ways that increases or decreases the likelihood that something's going to happen. Those are setting events. So you have all of this. We have to first to get authority. So if I've got thoughts, behavior, emotions, body, environment, circumstances, and setting events, now look at the corners. The first thing we have to do is be aware. We have to be aware that we're even having these experiences. If we're so organized by shutting the experience down sometimes we're shutting things down we're not even really aware of what's going on with us for example anger i don't want to be angry i'm not paying attention i'm gonna shove it well anger is a sign that a boundary line has been crossed or a value has been violated if i don't actually pay attention to the anger i don't know what i'm thinking i may not know how that anger is connected to the environment building awareness is important because when i build awareness you go to the next square i can regulate it mm-hmm. And I want to regulate rather than react. Because when I regulate, that's when insight and judgment start coming back. From awareness, regulation, now this bottom point, I can build understanding. I can contextualize it. Oh, that's why I'm so, like, that's why I'm depressed. Maybe it was, it's genetic and it got passed down, but this triggered it. Or maybe I'm beating myself up because I violated one of my own core values. I feel shame and I'm depressed about it. Oh, well, now that I've been aware, I've regulated, I built understanding. The fourth is response. I now can respond rather than react. And I'm responding out of my identity, my mission, my values, my goals. That's how you actually get authority over an experience. You grow through it, not run away from it. Mm. Um, Now, one thing I hear you saying, you you mentioned posture and worship. So part of what I hear you saying is that what's at stake is not really our going back to comfort and happiness. That's not what's at stake. The glory of God in our lives is at stake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because if... You know, if if we come and we can worship and we can raise our hands and in those moments we can say God is good and that that's part of the process of sanctification for disciples, then we can take active steps to gain that understanding that you're talking about. And then that's that's submitted in our story and our story is grafted into the bigger story, which is the glory of God. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Life inherently has meaning because of that. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. And then the last thing is once we are 
doing what we just talked about, I think we're, we're building in the skills that we need that promote health and authority as it connects to these different areas. And this could mean professional counseling. It could mean practice in, in, in areas where we really need to grow as whole people, physically, psychologically, relationally, spiritually, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But so somebody struggling with depression or anxiety, those are the five things that I would say really consider and lean into. Yeah. Recognize what you seek first, organizes the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Seek first the kingdom, then seek first holistic health. Mm-hmm. That may include medication. Right. If it right, we've got to move towards health. The third thing is it really acknowledge the problem and where is the problem coming from? When we understand what our experiences mean, maybe it's from the body, maybe it's a genetic issue, maybe it's mm-hmm. environmental, and people can help you navigate that. But um, so you understand that authority then is more important than absence. You work to get authority, and fifth is you build the skills that you need physically. Exercise, diet, sleep, medication, maybe for some people, but not always. Right. Um, I'd say a lot of times medication is actually not needed if these other things are happening. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, relationally, spiritually. And honestly, man, in a nutshell, that's kind of how I work with people. There's a lot more to it than that, but it's. Yeah, that's a that's snapshot. More, that's a snapshot. It's a snapshot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that shares with us if we're struggling with those, with, with anxiety and depression, some steps. And, and initial steps to get traction that we can take. Um, what if we know someone that's struggling? Like that could be a spouse, that could be a brother or sister, that could be someone in our church, could be a coworker, whoever that might be. As a believer and as a follower of Christ, what are one or two steps to begin helping that person we know that's struggling with anxiety and depression? Yeah. Man, I'd say the first thing is just validate the person struggling and be present. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with them and you don't have to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just validating that person. Um, yeah. I think, I think a lot of times we struggle with what should I say? I got to yeah. say something, but I try to encourage people just to be present. Like you're saying, like just walk over and sit with them. You don't have to say anything. You may, you may just sit with them and listen, and that can be the most powerful thing you can do. Yep. Just showing up. That is, that is practicing incarnational ministry. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes we, don't, we, are, we are the physical representation of the Holy Spirit in that yeah. person's life. Yeah. And just showing up, man, I, mm-hmm. I think is unbelievably powerful. Not making judgments about people because of their struggle. Right. Just, just showing up. Right. Um, yeah, don't show up like Job's friends and Job, right? Yeah. Don't, don't show up like his friends. Oh, well, you've got sin yeah. or you've done this or you've done, you know, just show yeah. up and, and be present and, and sit with people where they're at, you know, and journey with them. Yes. Uh, I think the second thing is just to value confidentiality and yeah. pray. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, man, I, confidentiality is a core aspect of hospitality where right. people can come into our presence be safe, heal, and, and grow. And the only time to break confidentiality, like as, as a pastor, you're a mandatory reporter too, but the only time you break confidentiality is if like there's child abuse or elder abuse and neglect or mm-hmm. somebody's actively suicidal, right? Yes, we need to have some conversations with other people about that. Right. Um, right. And then the, the third thing I'd say is then ask how you can help. Mm-hmm. 
hey, what, how can I best help you? Yeah. How can I be there for you? And people sometimes don't know, but I, I think this question is important because we've got to take responsibility for our own pain. We can't take it from someone else, right? So a lot of times we try to take people's suffering on and do something about it. Right. Yeah, we're but, fixers, right? We're fixers. We, want, we want to fix it. Yeah. But we can't we can't do anything with someone else's pain because we don't actually have the authority to do anything with it. And when we try to take on someone else's pain, not just suffer with them, we're called to suffer with people, not for them. And when we try to take that on, man, I think it can yield bitterness, helplessness, and we often end up walking away or distancing ourselves from that person person because we're trying to take on that pain or do things. So just a simple question, how can I help you? What do you need from the most from me right now? Gives people an opportunity to say, hey, this is, this is what I need from you. So if you've got friends who are really struggling, those are three considerations. Yeah, you may just say something to the effect of, hey, I'm available for you. Yes. You know, I, I, see I, what, I, I see what you're struggling with. So I just want you to know that I'm available for you, whatever that looks like, you know, and, and open that door and then let them walk through it. Yes. You know, don't, don't try to fix it. You know, don't try to get the tools out and work on it yourself. Just open the door or pass them the ball. And yep. when they're ready, they'll, they'll pass it back or they'll walk through, right? Yeah. Now, the one thing you can do, and you probably don't need to ask permission, especially for Baptists, is food. <laughs> That's there you go. <laughs> Just cook for them, man. The casserole brigade, right? Ooh, come on, bro. <laughs> My mom makes this dish. It's uh, it's unbelievable, bro. It's got ground beef and like macaroni and yeah. like cream of mushroom soup. And yeah. I, dude, come <laughs> on. Uh, That's right. Bring it all on. That's bring right. on. Well, let's jump into the next question. Um, why is mental health so important when we consider our holistic nature as image bearers of God? We as as created by God, the creator, we are his image bearer. So, so what is, why is mental health so important when we consider that holistic nature? Yeah, man. So I operate from a biopsychosocio spiritual perspective. Bio meaning we're body, psycho, we have a soul. Uh, we're emotional. I mean, we're relational people. Um, we don't know who we are apart from the relationships we're in. Mm. And then spiritually, obviously, the power of the Holy Spirit and, and meaning in life. And so justification has to do with the spirit. And this is an oversimplification. But when we're justified, our spirits are made right in relationship with God. For those who've been justified, they've also been glorified. Glorification is our future salvation. We right. get new bodies, but we got to right. steward the ones we're in. Mm -hmm. But there's this process called sanctification that we sometimes wish we could skip over. Right. And it's the ever-present being saved. And that has to do with our soul, the outworking of our relationships and community, all of that, all this is crucially important. So I yeah. think the holistic nature of who we are as image bearers is the, the image that God gave us. He is redeeming every bit of it. Mm -hmm. he, he cares about all of it. And so, I mean, you think about the soul, our, our mind, our will, our emotions. Um, it's an integral part of how God's made us. Um, he has a mind, a will, an emotion. God is love, 1 John 4, 8. For God so loved, he actively loves. The will, which is the, the mechanism of the soul that uh, makes decisions, was used by Adam to steward God's creation. 
and it went awry when he used it um, to turn from life to knowledge. So understanding the use of our will is, is pretty critical. Emotions are central to the core of God's kingdom. Um, think about Romans 14, for the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Two out of the three are emotional states. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a big deal. If you think about Galatians 5, and, and I love this, man. Galatians 5, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm-hmm. Those may be the fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but if you notice, every one of those hang from the tree of our soul. They're almost all emotions. Self-control has to do with the will. They're all psychological states that are fruits of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think engaging the soul is pretty critical. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, uh, chapter 4, writes an amazing prescription for how we anchor our mind in the midst of worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just amazing. So whether we acknowledge the wholeness of how God created us or not, I mean, we've got a body and a soul that have to be stewarded. And if yeah. not, it's going to sabotage our health and it will sabotage our mission on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, let's hit on Philippians 4, 6 there for a minute. Um, because because Paul writes there and he says, you can bring, he, he basically says in prayer and petition and Thanksgiving, bring anything before the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Why do you think? What is the obstacle that would keep someone from bringing their anxiety and depression before the Lord? Man. Because it seems like, you know, in, in, in this area, but in other areas too in our life, that, that, that we just want to take control of that instead of bringing that in prayer and petition with thanksgiving yeah. to the Lord. Well, it might be a couple obstacles there for well, someone. Man, that's a really, really good observation. Good question. Because I think at a court, so my research was in clinical depression and how it impacts our experiences with God. Mm. And one of the things that we found is that when people are depressed, they don't view God as less positive. They view themselves more negatively. Gotcha. So yeah. God is still a loving God, but there's yeah. no way he loves or cares about me. Yeah. So they retreat from it. Mm-hmm. They isolate. They isolate. And with they isolate anxiety, and self-medicate. Yes. 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 And self-medication is medication, but it's also like all oh, sorts yeah. of other stuff, right? Like going to the buffet for two hours. Yes. You know, things like that. Yep. Like, a- absolutely. And with anxiety, anxiety has to do with fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about prayer and and the future it inherently involves trust. Right. And so a lot of times we project our lack of trust of people onto God. Wow. That's powerful. And so, and if he doesn't answer prayers in the way we think he should, we feel like that trust has been violated. Now, let me ask you this. If that happens, I pray to God in my depression, anxiety, what I'm feeling with my trust, the concerns of trust in my life. Mm-hmm. Because promises have been broken before, mm-hmm. people have broken my trust before. That trust bridge has collapsed in my life, and so God doesn't answer the prayer and think in the way that I think He He should have answered it. Then I project those 
hurtful feelings that I have towards people in my life that have broken that trust on him as well, correct? Yes. Yeah. I think those are two key, not the only, but those are two key areas related to depression and anxiety that keep us from going before the throne. Yeah. Yeah. And which, you know, circle back around, that's not going to, if we feel that way, we're not going to seek the kingdom first. Right. Yep. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that full circle. That makes total sense to me. You're exactly right. Let's go, let's move on to the next question. What what do friends and family members need to? And we touched on this a little bit. Uh, what are, what do are friends and family members need to know and need to provide? How can they provide a support network for those struggling? And then specifically, how can we as the church remove the stigma when it comes to mental illness? Yeah. So so yeah. let's just talk about first providing a support network if that's family or faith family as the church, and then removing that stigma. What are yeah. some thoughts on that? Man, we mentioned three. Validate, pray and keep conf- confidential, and then ask how you can help. But I think in addition, we can actually foster love and connection. Um, just being there for people. Right. And so love, there is, love has three definitions, according to Barbara Fredrickson, who's a researcher in North Carolina. And these are amazing. She says, the first is love starts with building connection that fosters shared positive emotion be anything mm-hmm. showing up doing something together whatever anything that fosters a shared positive emotion and that's building some form of connection and when that happens there's a synchrony of behavior and biochemistry in other words your presence and you connecting and fostering a positive emotion allows you to start doing things together even if it's just sitting together being present but your biochemistry is starting to link Serotonin and dopamine get released. Vasopressin and oxytocin, the attachment hormones, can be released. And if you do that on a consistent basis, then the third thing is there develops this core belief, this person is for me. They're going to show up. And we know from the power of presence, going back to just showing up for people, that it can have, um, it can be really helpful in walking with people through things. Again, we haven't even talked about giving people an answer. No, we're just showing up. Just show up. We're just showing up. Yeah. And that's the Um, church's job, right? Yeah. You know, I've talked with people about, you know, the world be better place. If you just do your job, just do your job, right. You know, in any, any marketplace, any business, anything, just do your job. So the church's job is to show up. We don't run from the mess. We run to the mess. Right. Because that's yep. what Jesus did. That's the gospel. Jesus didn't run from the mess. He left the throne room of heaven to come to the mess. Yes, absolutely. And that's living incarnationally. We exactly. walk yeah. right into the middle. Of, and we don't have to be the answer. We have yeah. the answer. Yeah. And here's the thing, what you're speaking to about presence and everything, it reminds me of the love languages. And so one of the love languages is quality time. And so mm-hmm. that, you know, if, if you go through the love languages, you find, you know, one or two are your highest ones, but we all have all five of them. And so spending that quality time and connecting like you're talking about and just being present, that's making a deposit into somebody's life to fill yeah. them with love. Yep. 100%. And, it, and if you bring the noodle bake, beef bake with the cream of mushroom soup, that makes it yeah. even better, right? hundred <laughs> percent. And I, I, and they, that food piece, 
Only in the South. Only in the can South. People, can people sit down to an amazing meal and talk about what they will be eating in the future? That's right. You ever notice that? It's, right. uh, well, only in the South do you plan your whole day around what we're going to eat. Yep. Yep. It's true, man. Uh, so you're showing up for people. You're loving people well. And love guards our hearts from judgment. Because we talked about some of the, maybe before, but some of the stigma piece. Mm-hmm. When we really love people, it guards our hearts from judgment. There's two kinds of judgment. The judgment we want to avoid is judging the personhood of someone. That's between them and God. Mm-hmm. But the judgment we want to make is judging whether something's healthy or not. Right. And someone may not like you if you make that judgment, but they can trust you because they know you're not judging them, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the character of that person. When we judge people, we put them in a box and we can't see them outside of the box or the judgment we've made about them, which means we can't see that person the way God sees them. We only see them based on the judgment we've made. Taking a step outside of that box is pretty crucial. Asking the Lord to help us not judge our, our brothers and sisters. And the question is, like, what judgments do we have in our hearts towards people struggling with anxiety and depression? Ask questions to understand. Um, then we repeat, validate, pray, and help them however we can. And do this without taking on the person's suffering. Um, they've got to be responsible for it. But, man, we show yeah. up. We love people. We don't judge them. And we stay connected. Hey, I'm validating this struggle. I'm praying with you. How can I be of help? Yeah. Uh, let's drill down on the asking the question. What might be a que- a good initial question to a question of understanding? When, when you're reaching out to someone and you're trying to help them, they're struggling, what might be a good question to ask them so that they know you're just trying to understand? Yeah, so let's go back to um, the anatomy of the experience that I talked about. Thoughts, behavior, emotions, what's going on in the body. Mm -hmm. Where do you feel this in your body? Environment, which is the setting, uh, circumstances, and then setting events. You can take that framework and go, hey, help me understand what you're experiencing. Like what emotions you having right now? What's happened? Help me understand what's happened. How has it impacted your thought life, your behaviors? I just, I just want to understand so I can pray more specifically. Dude, yeah. You can use that anatomy of an experience to ask the right questions. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Last question. What are a few resources someone can use to help them as they struggle with anxiety and depression? What might be a couple of resources out there for everyone? Yeah. Um, Man, counseling is a resource and, you know, I'm uh, finding someone in your area, um, even even with teletherapy, maybe maybe yeah. helpful. Um, yeah. Anybody in Mississippi, but uh, not being afraid to seek out counsel. And um, one of the things I do a lot with churches is like like you could interview different um and screen actually i can send you or we can have a different conversation apart from the day about uh screening mental health providers so that you actually have a referral list as a church to say hey as a church we we trust these people we're partnering with these people and that could be really really helpful so people could get uh, the counseling they need and still be a part of walking with a pastor through that process yeah um man i would see you could see your primary care physician um Anytime somebody's dealing with anxiety and depression, I want to also be sure that the physical body is okay. I had somebody yeah. come in, 
They said they have bipolar disorder, but the symptoms were atypical. Mm-hmm. They had untreated hypothyroidism. We, we got the thyroid treated, and now we're praying for physical healing. But just seeing your primary care physician and getting a good physical just to be sure everything's okay, maybe your adrenal functioning is low. You could be trying to treat a psychological issue, and it is anxiety, but really your body's burnout. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a lot of factors there that I would. Yeah, uh, one of my good pastor friends, what you're talking about, you know, he had some of that trouble with with his thyroid and other things happening, and it all just kind of came to a head. And the more that he researched and worked with his primary care physician, they got some of those small doses of meds to help him with his thyroid and everything else. And then he was able to navigate through that. So you're yeah. exactly right. Yep. Um, man, that's that's good, dude. I, and I think, you know, people feel like I can't keep it together and it, it could be a physical issue. Um, so getting a good physical and 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 you might need medication and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're working, medication, in my opinion, should never be given separate from therapy. Because a lot of times people, I believe that medication and counseling are the best combination for something that's clinical. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you, even with the medication, it can help, but you still want to be building authority, learning, taking responsibility. Um, Because you may feel a little better, but you're going to keep perpetuating the issues if you don't know what's actually going on. Right. Right. And then some other books and resources, like we've got some resources um, on our website called Rhythms. We're in the process of reshooting it. The older version is up, but it's mywellclinic.com backslash rhythms. Mywellclinic.com backslash yeah, we'll rhythms. Yeah, we'll link that in these resources in the description of the show. It, um, it, it just, a lot of things that we're talking about, it helps people think through creating healthy rhythms of life that are sustainable. But man, like Soul Keeping by John Ortberg, Coping with Depression by Tan and by Tan and Orberg, The Anxiety Cure by Archibald Hart, uh, are some additional resources that are great starting points for people. And then you can go from there. All right. Very cool. Very cool. We're about to conclude and wrap up today. Once again, thank you, Andy, for this wealth of information. It's been a great having you on this episode. I want to give you a thank, final word. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I want to give you a final word. Any final thoughts as we wrap up today? Man, hope is real and hope is alive. And hope is for all of us. And no matter where you are in your struggle, hope is real and hope is alive. And we can forge it. We can step into it. We can embrace it, receive him, and see the reality of Jesus as our living hope manifest in our lives as a hope for day to day. And, uh, Lean into what we're talking about, and it it will make a difference in your life. And great words, great words of encouragement. We all need words of encouragement. Thank you, Andy, for that insight yeah. and for sharing your thoughts and and, and just your just this information that's going to help so many people, not only in our church but around the Mississippi Delta as well. Thank you once again for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, brother. Hey, I want to invite everyone to join us this weekend. You can join us on campus or online at ten forty-five a.m. You can also listen on Sunday night, 6 p.m., the local AM station, 1390 WLNA, and also check out our worship podcast wherever you get your pods. Uh, Thank you for being with us, and we hope to see you again real soon on Deep Conversation.